Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, and we'll just see where this, where this goes today. But we've started a series, Power from on High, next, not, you know, I guess it is next Sunday. Next Sunday is June 4th. Man, that May went by fast. Uh, next Sunday is June 4th. It's Pentecost Sunday. And I, I want to encourage you, if you know anyone that has not received, maybe you have not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we want to lay hands on you and believe with you for the baptism, for the immersion in the Holy Spirit next week. We do that all the time, but we're specifically going to be making a point of teaching on that, how to receive and, and the power of the Holy Spirit next week. So make sure that you're here, bring folks. Maybe you know someone that doesn't understand speaking in tongues or what, what that's all about. Is it for today? Make sure they're here next week. We're going to have a great time. And then, uh, so that's next Sunday. And then if you uh, feel like being in church all day, I'm going to be preaching in our Nepali service that's happening at 1 o'clock. Many of you know that we have uh, our Bhutanese Assembly of God Church that meets here on Sundays at 1. So I'll be preaching for them at our 1 o'clock service next Sunday as well. So we're just going to have a whole day of church. You're welcome to jump in on that if you want. Uh, But Ephesians chapter 4, we're just going to jump around. Actually, let me... uh, let me start 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 4. You might be familiar with this, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4. Like I said, we're just going to jump around today. We'll see where, where this ends up. But I want to teach on the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to pick up where we left off last week, the purpose of God's power. The purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. He gives us purpose for the power that he releases in our life. You know, we oftentimes disassociate the, the purpose with the power that he's given to us. We love, you know, coming into services, getting ministered to by the Lord, feeling his presence, getting touched, getting changed here. But there's a purpose that's connected to the release of his power that we're experiencing in our, in our private lives, corporately together in church. We take what God's doing here outside these four walls. Yeah. Amen? Amen? A great example of this, uh, many of you might be familiar with Sandra and, and Garrison who came as a part of a Night of Hope. This is a great, great example of the power of God at work in our lives. You know, we, we never know who we're going to uh, touch, who God has divine appointments for us. And, uh, you know, I look back over the, over the course of Night of Hope and all that we're doing with Night of Hope. And, and Sandra's a great story of Night of Hope, how she came in. She was a drug addict. She was addicted to drugs. She comes in to Night of Hope, gets ministered to, comes in, becomes a part of the church, gets water baptized, starts growing in the Lord. And then the, the reality of her years of drug addiction has caught up with her. And, you know, she's, she's in the hospital right now. They're, they're not giving a good report. The doctors aren't. But the reality of the hope of Christ and the life change that's happened through just having an encounter with Christ here in Night of Hope and our services, isn't it awesome to know that we just stay faithful with what God's given us? We take the power of God that he's given us and begin to release and and you say, well, is she going to be healed? Well, who knows? But her life has been transformed. The power of God set her free. 
Are you still out there this morning? That's a good story, you know, and I, I, think, I think about others. We ha- we've had many folks, we, were, we've, we thought of this morning, four different families that have faced death after coming through Night of Hope. And what a, what a powerful, what a powerful story that the, that the purposes of God, you shall be witnesses when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We are being witnesses in this Great Lakes region, and people are being changed, being affected by the power of God. And that's what we want. Amen? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You know, we can go out here. I said this last week. We can, there's a power line out by the front of the road. If we disconnect that power line and, and still run power through it, it's going to be flopping around and, and has... Uh, the potential to hurt someone if they grab hold of that power line, right? It's going to probably, more than likely, kill them. And it is the same thing, it's the same example with us, that if we don't understand and connect the purposes of God to the power that He's released in our life. We do ourselves no good and no one else any good if we don't understand the purpose for what He's releasing that power for. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says this, 2 Corinthians 10, 4. It says, for the weapons, everybody say weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. God has equipped us. He has released supernatural power and equipping into our lives to accomplish the purposes of God in our life. These weapons of our warfare, this, this word warfare is not warfare as the, as the natural man would war against uh, human flesh and blood. This is talking about warfare. Paul's relating his apostolic ministry, his ministry being warfare, advancing the kingdom of God. And what he's saying is this, the weapons that I've, been, that I've been given are not carnal, but they are mighty. They are empowered by God to accomplish God's purposes. So for you today, the weapons of warfare, the equipping of God released into your life is empowered by God to accomplish His purposes. It's advancing His kingdom. It's, it's taking life and all of its circumstances and realizing that it's not all about me, you filthy, ugly thing. It's not all about you. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. It's about moving forward. It's about maturing in the things of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we find the gifts of the Spirit, and that's kind of where we left off last week, these gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit. Now concerning spiritual gifts, verse 1 of chapter 12, Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles. Isn't it good to know that Paul doesn't want you to be ignorant? (laughs) I don't want you to be a dummy. I don't want you to be ignorant. Slap your neighbor and say, don't be ignorant. (laughs) You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. What he's talking about here, Paul's talking about, I don't want you to be 
led captive. I don't want you to be taken captive. And the Greek is by phantoms of your own mind. I don't want you to be taken captive by your immaturity, by, your, by these phantoms and these wrong thoughts. I want you to have understanding. I want you to have wisdom. I want you to have discernment. I want you to understand how God operates. And so he begins to set the stage for them regarding spiritual gifts. This wasn't a, a discourse to them about how they don't need to operate in spiritual gifts or the spiritual gifts need to be in the back room somewhere. No, that's not what Paul was talking about at all. He was saying you need to operate in spiritual gifts. If you don't, you're going to be led captive, led astray. These, this is the manifestation of God himself, the grace of God in your life. It is the manifestation of God in your life so you will be fully equipped. The weapons of our warfare. That you'll have, you'll have the equipping of God to accomplish what he's put before you to accomplish. How many of you, God has given you a God-sized dream, a God-sized vision of things to accomplish? Anybody this morning? Am I just talking to an empty crowd this morning? Has God, if, he, if you don't have one, you need to get one. <laughs> if you don't have a God-sized vision, you need to get one. You need to spend time with the Lord and say, God, download what my purpose is. Download in my heart what, what vision, what direction you have for my life. How, do you gonna, how are you going to know where, where God's taking you if you haven't heard from him? So that's number one. But number two, once he reveals it to you, once he gives you the clarity of purpose and knowing that you have a direction, a plan to fulfill, that God has a purpose and a plan in your life, he equips you to accomplish that. These spiritual gifts are a form, it's one avenue of that equipping. There are diversities of gifts, verse 4, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are di diversities of activities, but is the same God who works all in all. So notice again, we pointed this out last week, but there's the triune God in operation here. You have the Spirit of God who is activating the gifts and the Lord uh, is involved in this, God involved in this. You have th all three persons of the Godhead mentioned here that are activating and utilizing these gifts in and through our life for the edification, for the building up of the church, for the profit of all, for the edification. So he, God has not left us powerless, but he has equipped us in Ephesians chapter 4, we took a look at some of these purposes of why we are equipped and how we are equipped. Number one, for the perfecting of the saints. God wants you to be fully equipped for what he's called you to do. Remember the little boy who brought his, his five loaves and two fish to Jesus. It seemed insignificant. Nothing nothing that small could possibly feed the crowd that Jesus was ministering to. But he brought it and offered it. Paul teaches us in Romans to let each of us use the gifts that God's given us for the fulfillment of the edification and building up of the church. Number two, we looked at last week, for the work of ministry. That we are equipped, we are prepared for the work of ministry. Who has God called you to minister to? Who has God placed in your life? Divine appointments. Remember Edwards who said that he would resolve to, with all of his might, with all of his power, to enjoy God in this life as, as violently as he possibly could. Are you enjoying God to the extreme measures that you possibly can? Think about that for a moment. Are you enjoying God to the absolute fullest measure possible? 
As you begin to delight yourself in the Lord, it overflows in ministry to others. As you enjoy God and delight in Him, it begins to overflow in ministry to others. Number three we looked at was building up of the body for edification. God will equip us to build up, to unify the body. Number four was to attain unity of the faith. The knowledge of the Son of God was number five. And number six we'll pick up today is that God will bring us into mature manhood. God wants you to be mature spiritually. He wants you to grow up spiritually. No longer babies eating and drinking on the baby things of this life and the Word of God, but to dive into the meat, to dive into the depths, to enjoy the riches of the glory of God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory into another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So He is constantly changing us, constantly transforming us. If we're living in a place of, of the walking in the Spirit, He's constantly changing and transforming us. Amen. How does he do that? Working through these spiritual gifts in our lives. In operation, God gives and releases gifts in our lives so that we can grow up spiritually. For example, the, the, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Have you ever been in a situation where someone came up to you or you, maybe you had a word for someone else and you just felt like the Lord had given you a scripture, a word for someone concerning their situation or what God was speaking to them and you begin to share that word? That word is a word of encouragement. It's a word of exhortation. It's a word of comfort to build them up, to bring spiritual maturity in their life. To not continue on in, in their carnal way, but to begin to bring direction and wisdom and maturity in their life. Amen. Maybe it's operating in the gifts of healing or, or working of faith. All of these gifts begin to work together to develop in our lives. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives to develop spiritual maturity. Well, how does that happen? It happens step by step, walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, Galatians says, and you will not fulfill what? The lust of the flesh. And so you begin to walk daily in the Spirit, learning how to depend on the Holy Spirit every day of your life. Instead of going back to the drugs, you're depending on the Holy Spirit. Instead of going back to the lies and the, and the relationship issues and all of the things of your past, you're walking in the Spirit. You're learning to depend on the Holy Spirit, listening to His voice, allowing Him to illuminate the Word of God for you, speaking to you about the direction and the plan of God for your life. Amen? Walking daily. It starts... Very simply, as you walk in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, you have to have balance. You have to have observation. Think about the things that go into walking. Think about what has to happen in order for you to walk. Just walk in the natural. You have to observe where you're going. If you're not observing where you're going, what's going to happen? You're going to walk into something. You're going to run into something, hurt yourself. Well, the same thing is with walking in the Spirit. You have to have spiritual eyes to see where you're headed. You have to have the eyes that are illuminated by the Spirit of God to see the direction that you're going. 
How many of you know that when you get into life circumstances, when you get in, in, into the middle of chaos of life, you have to have eyes of the Spirit to see where you're headed? It's very easy to get your eyes focused on what's happening around you. It's very easy when you're in the middle of the hurricane of life to get your eyes focused on everything that's spinning around you. But it takes eyes of the Spirit to see through the mess and know where you're going. And so you walk. You have to have observation. You have to have balance. When you walk in the Spirit, you have to have balance. How do do you balance in the natural (laughs) How do you balance yourself in the natural? You have to have your ears open, right? Balance comes from your, from your hearing. You have to have balance. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The Word of God, the message concerning Christ. So if you want balance in your life, we have a lot of Christians out there today that are off balance. You get off balance in legalism. You get off balance in, in the fruitcakes and, and nutcrackers. Right? But spirit and truth have to meet. They have to kiss. There has to be balance. Balance comes from hearing the word of the Lord. You can't come, not come to church. You can't not be in the word of God. You can't not be in a small group, not being discipled, not serving, and expect to live a balanced life. It's all aspects of this have to come together, have to meet together in our life for there to be balance. Well, I don't like organized church. Well, tough. Jesus does. He organized it from the very beginning when he started calling his disciples. It's called organization. Come follow me. It's called leadership. I realize people may hurt you and let you down. I know there's nobody in here. Y'all love your church and never have been offended by anybody in church. (laughs) Nobody's ever let you down before. But we don't run for the hills when somebody offends us. We don't run for the hills when conflict happens. Mature Christians, when you walk in balance, walking in the Spirit, walking in observation, walk out Matthew 18, they confront it head on. Maturity. Spiritual maturity, right? If you're going to walk in the Spirit, you can't, uh, can't allow yourself to get off balance. You have to stay balanced in the Word, balanced in faith, balanced in, 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 in the community that Christ has placed you in. You have to watch out for obstacles. As you're observing, as you're walking in the Spirit, you have to watch out for the obstacles that come your way. Talk about offense. That's what, that's what obstacles are. One of the greatest plans of the enemy to stop you from moving forward and advancing forward is to cause offense. It is the number one thing that I hear as a pat. Well, I'm afraid if I do this, they will let me down. If I do this, they'll leave me. If I do this, has anybody been there before? Maybe you're there right now. I'm afraid to step out and, and walk in this area that the Lord's called me to because what will happen? Well, I don't know, but trust, walk by faith, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the desires of your flesh. Walk in the Spirit, and you won't be given in to offense. You won't be given in. Just keep walking in the Spirit. When offense comes your way and someone wants to bring an obstacle into your path, guess what you're going to do? Walking in the Spirit, you're going to forgive them. I got quiet. You're going to forgive them. 
You're going to face it. You know, pastor, how do I handle this? I don't agree with what they're doing. You need to go to them. Biblically, you need to approach them, Matthew 18, and, and bring your case before them. Not, not beating them up, but humbly. I'm going to tell them what I think. I'll forgive them after I'm punished, you know. <laughs> Let me at them. Church people are the worst. Ask me how I know. Walking in the Spirit means that you're walking in love, forgiving. You've, I've probably offended you. Something I've said has probably offended you. You've probably gotten convicted at some point after, while hearing me preach and think it's, well, that's the pastor's fault that I'm being convicted and not realizing that it's your fault because you got sin in your life. It's not me. Walk in forgiveness, walk in love, walking in the Spirit says, hey, it's really not about that other person. It's about me. Why am I responding the way that I'm responding has nothing to do with them, has everything to do with me. It was good preaching, Pastor. Keep preaching. <laughs> Walking in the Spirit, dealing with those obstacles immediately. If you don't deal with the obstacles, guess what's going to happen? You're going to fall. Isn't that what Paul said in Hebrews, that we don't allow the root of offense to spring up, offending many? Causing many to fall away. So we don't allow that to happen. We don't allow the root of bitterness, the root of offense to grow. We don't allow the obstacles to continue. And then there's assaults. You have to deal with those stinking assaults. And the assaults from the enemy. I'm not talking about people. I'm, I'm talking about the enemy. Sometimes the enemy will full-on attack you and cause you to question and doubt the word of God for you. Isn't that his M.O.? Is he wants you to begin to doubt the word? Because all of a sudden, if you can begin to doubt the source of your life, the, the source of life flow into your life, if you can begin to doubt the word of God and his authority, then he can begin to maneuver and work and bring deception into your life. And the problem with deception is we don't even know that we're deceived. Isn't that true? Deception is, the, is that. It is deception. And so it takes the illumination of the Holy Spirit to even help us understand when we're deceived. It takes the Word of God helping us to even know when we are deceived. And so it's important for us to not walk according to our carnal nature that would allow the assaults to continue or to live according to the assaults. You know, the carnal nature, when it is assaulted, says, woe is me. Everybody's out to get me. Or I'm entitled to. They hurt me and they, I deserve. It's putting the focus, right? It's putting the focus on me instead of walking in the Spirit. What would walking in the Spirit look like in that situation? What would walking in the Spirit, what would the Holy Spirit say about what that person said? What would the Holy Spirit begin to reveal to you regarding that assault or that situation? What does the Word of God say to you about, about His authority in your life? The same God that spoke the worlds into existence has spoken His promises concerning you. Don't you think that He's able to fulfill it? Isn't that what Paul said? Now to him who is able. Now to him who is able. 
no matter what it is that you're facing, now to him who is able. Don't doubt his authority. Don't doubt the word that he has spoken concerning you. Walk in the Spirit. Grow into mature manhood. Develop into full maturity. In James, let's just skip over there. In James chapter 1, we get a great picture of what maturity looks like. In James chapter 1, in verse 2, it says, My brethren and my sisterin. You'll get that when you go home. It's a bad joke. It's a bad, bad preacher joke. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Time out. <laughs> Hang on, James. You've got this wrong. Count it all joy. Some of you have heard me teach on this before. But it's command yourself. You're going to command yourself. It's not optional. Walking in the joy of the Lord is not optional. It's so funny. You know, why do people laugh? Why would we not want them to laugh? You want them to be depressed? You want them to be sad? Why do people laugh in church? You want them to be depressed? They're going through hardship. They're going through life. Let them have the joy of the Lord. Stop complaining about it. Let them laugh. Why do people fall? They can't stand. Let them fall. Let them encounter the Lord. Who cares what they... Laugh, roll, get touched by God. Be transformed. Stop living according to your carnal nature. It's okay. I promise it will be okay. If it makes you uncomfortable to watch someone fall, close your eyes. <laughs> if you don't like people laughing, plug your ears. Bring earplugs. It'll be okay. Count it all joy. This is not just a concept, it's reality. The joy of the Lord is not just a concept, it's reality. The joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not just some nebulous idea. The joy, I need the joy of the Lord. I need to be filled with the joy of the Lord on a regular basis. I need the peace of God on a regular basis. I need the power of God working in my life on a regular basis. Amen? Amen. Count it all joy. Command yourself to be in a place of inexpressible joy when you fall into various trials. Multicolored, different color, different types of trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Becoming mature in the Lord. Walking in the Spirit. We're talking about walking in the Spirit. Knowing that the testing of your faith is producing something. There is purpose to the power of God released in your life. It's when you face life's challenges, life's circumstances, it is producing on the inside of you the character of Christ. When you face difficult days, when, you, when you're facing a lost and dying world, it is producing the character of Christ on the inside of you. You begin to see people through the eyes of Christ. You begin to see your circumstance through the eyes of Christ. You begin to count it all joy. 
when you hear of, of people that you're ministering to through Night of Hope, when you hear about their addictions and their problems and the circumstances, you're moved with compassion. You have the patience of the Lord operating, and you're not quick to judge them. When someone lets you down, you're operating in the patience of, of God, not quick to become offended with them. When you're walking, and does anybody hear what I'm saying? When you, when you walk in the, in the character of Christ and you begin to walk in the power of God at work in your life, when you face circumstance, you don't respond how your carnal nature wants to respond. You keep your mouth shut when you need to keep your mouth shut. You're slow to speak. You're not quick to anger. You're producing the fruit of love, the royal law at work in your life. Commanding, commanding yourself to be in a place of joy. Facing the testing, facing the trials, facing life with the joy of the Lord. Producing patience in your life. Verse 4 of James 1 says, But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete. That's what we're talking about. Maturity. That you might not be lacking anything. Could it be that the situation that you're facing, that the... That launching out maybe it's maybe it's leading a small group maybe it's doing something you've never done in ministry before maybe maybe it's uh, stepping out in faith and and serving or volunteering in an area that you've never served or volunteered before maybe it's a hardship in life whatever it is that you're facing could it be that God has put his finger on that area of your life to produce patience so that patience might have its perfect work in you that you would be mature lacking nothing it's easy to say, well, this person is lacking. It's always easy to see what everybody else is lacking, where everybody else is in the, in the red. But we begin to turn the mirror on ourselves. You know, this is, this is a great thing about the joy of the Lord, too. It's, it's funny to watch because, you, you know, you really don't realize what's happening. When, when people get affected by the, the supernatural joy of the Lord, this is just a great example of why he does what he does but it's interesting to watch people who get affected by the joy and they're and they're laughing and and uncontrollably experiencing this joy that they can't control if you've been there you know exactly what I'm talking about it's just overwhelming joy of the Lord in your life and all of a sudden right in the middle of your laughing right in the middle of all that God's doing he opens your eyes and you see something as a result of that moment in his presence that you never saw before in your life. It's like the, it's like the laughing gas. The, de the dentist gives you the laughing gas and you're happy. No, you don't have any cares in the world. And then all of a sudden, out comes the tooth. You're like, whoa, hang on a second. In goes the drill, right? It's kind of kind of the Holy Spirit at work. He, he gets us into a place on his operating table where he can begin to work on us and all of a sudden begins to reveal things to us that we would have never seen before. But we just have to get into the place. Command yourself to be in the joy of the Lord. 
Self, you will not be angry and depressed. Self, you will not have a pity party. Self, you will not get wrapped up in the attack, the assault of the enemy. Self, you're going to walk with balance. Self, you're going to walk. You're going to walk with observation. Self, you're not going to get distracted by the circumstance of life. You are going to walk in the spirit. You're going to walk in the Spirit. That's exercising self-control. You're telling yourself, I will not cross this boundary. Self, you will be mature in the things of the Lord. So many times we just allow ourselves to go down whatever path we want to go down, whatever feels good in the moment, however our feelings want to take us, whatever we want to do, well, that's how I think we should handle it now, or I'm upset, so no, get a hold of yourself. Get a hold of yourself. Well, I don't feel like worshiping, tough, get a hold of yourself. I don't feel like reading the word, tough, get a hold of yourself. I don't feel like praying, tough, get a hold of yourself. Self-control. Self, you will be in a place of joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I will worship till I'm happy. And that might take you all day. But you're going to worship yourself happy. You're just going to enter in. At some point, you're going to cross the threshold. At some point, when you're worshiping, commanding yourself, you're going to cross the threshold and say, I have stepped into the glory. <laughs> At some point, you're going to cross. When you, you don't feel like walking in the Spirit, you're going to pray in the Spirit until something pops. You're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. You're going to sing. Paul said, sing in the Spirit. Make melody in your heart. That's what you're going to do. You're going to pray and sing in tongues until there's breakthrough until you cross over until that well of joy begins to bubble up on the inside of you that's commanding yourself to walk this is walking in spiritual maturity this is spiritual maturity it's not a 12-step program of how to be a better you it's dependence upon the Holy Ghost this is this is the basics of spiritual maturity It's dependence, absolute dependence upon the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, it is better for you that I go, that the Holy Spirit might come. It's to your advantage. It's your benefit. I've said it before, but the Holy Spirit and Jesus are not in competition. Jesus is not offended when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not upset when we say you need to have dependence upon the Holy Spirit. They are all God. And they work together. The Holy Spirit takes of what is the Father's, what of Jesus, and reveals it to us. He takes what's happening in heaven right now and reveals it to us. That's why walking in the Spirit is so important. Commanding yourself to be in a place of joy is so important. Why? Patience is having its perfect work. You will lack nothing. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit's telling you what you lack. And where you need to go. And he's taking of what, of the fa- what is of the fathers. And he's revealing and imparting and working those things into your life. As you command yourself to be in a place of joy. Self, you will not be depressed over this sickness. Whether it's a cold or name a you know, big sickness. Whatever it is. Self, you will not de- be depressed. You will have the joy of the Lord. We had... A few years back, we had some friends that were going through. She had been diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, Don and his wife. She had been diagnosed. She's like, which, which ones are we talking about? <laughs> After being in ministry, you have a lot of stories. 
And this, this family had been, when we talk about committed, walking in the things of the Lord, commanding themselves to be in a place of joy. He was the happiest man I'd ever seen. He walked in the joy of the Lord everywhere he went. He walked, him and his wife walked in the joy of the Lord. He walked into church laughing. He laughed through church. He'd laugh going out of church. He's also the same way if you've heard us talk about. He would be, he'd get up from the altar and take off to walk back to a seat and would just freeze. You were like, and he would, he would be in, lost in a trance and you'd be thinking, what in the world is happening to him? And he would just be out and the, the Lord, the, the glory of the Lord would just radiate off of him. It would be awesome. His wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And they sat in the hospital. It was funny. The, the day she died, they were sitting in the hospital. Every pastor that came in the room prophesying over every person that came in the room. She died with her husband, wrapped his arms around her, worshiping the Lord together. The joy of the Lord. How can you face difficult days, difficult situations? Command yourself to be in the place of joy. I will not allow, I will not allow the enemy to take my joy. And I will not allow life to take my joy. It's mine. Jesus gave it to me. He paid the price on Calvary for me to have this. Let me tell you something, too. With regards to sickness, you're, he paid for your healing. And the, the enemy may try to take your joy through sickness. Your body is wasting away through sickness and disease. And healing is paid for. But he can't have your joy. He can't have it. I'm just waiting. Somebody's faith right now is just rising. You're, you're hearing this right now and you're facing. You're facing one of those days. You're facing one of those dark moments. And you're, you're thinking, I can't control this. I can't change this. Unless there's a miracle, I can't fix this. I, I can't change my family dynamics. I can't change my health dynamics. I can't. But one thing that you can do is command yourself to stop walking in depression, to stop walking according to your carnal nature, and walk in maturity. Walk in spiritual maturity. Walk in the joy of the Lord. It is your strength. Yeah. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He wants to develop maturity in your life. Walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Walking. Can I pray for you too? Come on up. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will interrupt your path, what's your think direction you're going, the Holy Spirit right there is good guys sometimes the Holy Spirit will come, come along in the middle of circumstance and capture your attention 
Have you ever been there before? Where you're walking along and the Holy Spirit just captures your attention, catches you off guard, maybe for a minute. Whoa, I wasn't expecting that to happen. I wasn't expecting, I wasn't expecting to hear that. We were just having a nice leisurely stroll, God. Why did you have to go and... See, the great thing about maturity is there has to be a test. <laughs> Patience is produced through the testing, the various trials, the testing. That's why we have power of the Holy Ghost. Jesus knew that they were about ready in Acts 8 to face a lot of persecution. And they were going to be dispersed. Persecution was coming. Hardship was coming. Stephen was going to die. They, Jesus knew what was going to, they knew that they needed power to face what was coming in life. Does anybody hear what I'm saying? Equipping, supernatural equipping, supernatural empowerment. His purpose for the plans that he has for you. Father in the, Jesus. Strength. Walking in the Spirit. And then Ephesians 4. As we read last week, it says, verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. It's describing for us maturity here. The people will come and they will be deceptive. They'll be deceptive in their teaching. They'll be trickery. They'll be manipulating. Have you ever been there? Someone tried to manipulate you? Having, having maturity in the spirit means that you won't be given in to deception and manipulation. You'll be walking with eyes wide open, ears open, attentive, in tune with the Holy Spirit. Verse 15, number 7, the, the seventh purpose that we've talked about here is speaking the truth in love. Growing up in all things in him who is the head of Christ. Speaking the truth in love. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 says, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You can have all the spiritual gifts and all the great things and operation in your life and have no love and it's just a bunch of noise. But when we operate in love, when we walk in love, you know, this is, this is an interesting thought because everyone understands love differently. Right? We all, we all understand and, and receive love in different ways. And we definitely all speak in different ways, speaking the truth in love. So, I mean, how many of you that are married know that? <laughs> you speak different languages, right? Speaking the truth in love. Paul, what are you talking about? We operate differently. We speak differently. We talk differently. 
But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit, this is, this is, such a, this is why the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, is so important. Because all of a sudden, all of us who are speaking differently, operating in different places in love, all come under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That multi-language that we all talk, that we all understand different ways, all begins to come together, united by the Holy Spirit. In the upper room, they were all unified. They were all in one accord. The Holy Spirit brings together, begins to operate together. When we hear love differently, all of a sudden He begins to blend us together with someone who maybe speaks love in a different language. Maybe when we communicate differently with one another. The Holy Spirit begins to blend us together supernaturally so that we have supernatural, unified communication. All of a sudden, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, when you walk in maturity, you begin to hear what that person is really saying versus what you're really hearing. Have you ever been there? Where someone was telling you, yes, you have. You've been married. If you've been married, you know you've definitely been there. <laughs> Where they were telling you one thing, but you were hearing something totally different? It might be happening here this morning. You might be hearing, you know, I might be saying one thing. I'm talking one way, but you're hearing something totally different. But then the Holy Spirit comes, and he begins to mesh and blend together. And we begin to see what we couldn't see before. We hear what we couldn't hear before. We begin to understand one another in spite of their differences, in spite of maybe your background, your education, and, and whatever's happened, happened, whatever. The Holy Spirit begins to bring it all together into a perfect symphony. That's speaking the truth in love. It's understanding the truth in love. We begin to speak and understand one another when we're walking in the Spirit, when we're walking in maturity with one another. We begin to see past everyone's shortcomings. We begin to see past the offensive ticks of people. <laughs> Anybody have pet peeves? We begin to see, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Somebody just had a revelation this morning. <laughs> we begin to see past all of those things and we begin to operate in love. That's why it's so important to begin to rely on and walk in the Spirit. Speaking the truth in love. Operating together in a place of, of love and unity. Let's read on. It says, speaking the truth in love that you may grow up in all things into him who is the head. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. The Greek here with, the, with the speaking the truth in love, in, in other words, is saying don't let lies rain down on your love fest. Be established in love. Don't allow lies to begin to filter in. Isn't that what a lie does? It causes you to see things that aren't real. 
that hurt, that past offense begins to cause a filter. It's like taking a, a picture. Where's Joe? Hold up your camera. So if you put a filter on that camera, everything that comes through that camera is filtered by whatever filters on the end of that lens. Correct? I'm talking correctly. Okay. If you put a, you know, they got some really cool filters. They got filters that he's putting a filter on there right now just for our demonstration purposes. So you put a filter on there that, that makes the light, you can star the lights. You put a filter on there, it causes the lights and the camera to be starred. They have filters that cause you to block out certain light sources. And there's all sorts of things that happen with filters. That's what a lie does. When we allow lies to get rooted, what is a lie? It's not the truth or a half-truth, gossip. When we allow those things to settle in to our heart, we perceive reality different. You'll never be successful. A lie settles in. And we perceive reality. You could never do that. God would never use you. You're a dummy. You have no skill. You have no talent. All of a sudden, those lies begin to cause a filter to be put over the truth of God's word and his authority concerning our life. But when we begin to speak the truth in love, what happens? We illuminate those lies. We begin to bring those lies into light, and we say, that is a lie. We begin to call it out for what it is. That is not walking immaturity. That is a lie. That's an old, that is an old pattern of behavior. That's an old way of doing things. I could never do that. That's an old way of believing. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says all things. All things. You don't believe it. All things. All things are possible to him that believes. So why would I believe a lie that says, I could never do that? All things are possible. It might mean that you have to walk through a time of training or teaching or equipping or, or maturing to get into a place to operate in that thing. But it is absolutely possible. funny when you're preaching the Holy Spirit starts poking at your own heart yeah do you hear what you're saying it's possible yeah shh, I'm preaching Holy Spirit stop interrupting me you ever been there I'm, I'm doing something here stop interrupting the process it's funny one of the things that the Lord's been stirring in our heart and we've just been saying okay on your time Lord we'll just do it and it keeps surfacing. Every time I turn around, it keeps surfacing. It's one of those things I, I'm believing for, but I just have to walk it out and see what the Lord will do. But Summit County needs a Christian rehab center, a restoration center. Summit County needs a, has, needs a Pentecostal, spirit-filled Christian restoration center. Not just, not, I'm not just talking about drugs and addiction. I'm just talking about restoration, just general restoration. And uh, I've been in, I feel like I've, everywhere I've gone, in community meetings, church meetings, I mean, everywhere I go, I, was, I forget where I was at the other day, and somebody brought it up again. You need a restoration center. And then 
the Baileys, when they were here, out of the blue, Pastor Pierce says, you need to start a restoration center. <laughs> okay, Lord, I hear you. I got it. Okay. Prophetic words, words of knowledge, okay, for the equipping, the edifying, the maturing. And then Mandy brings me information and says, hey, those apartment buildings next to the church are for sale. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember moving here and saying, I want to buy those. <laughs> We could have a huge community of restoration and Bible college students and interns and transitional housing. And Now who's going to write the $5 million check? <laughs> right? Talking about, right? Talking about all things are possible. All things. You're going to, yeah, he's going to write the check. He's good at that. When the Lord says, hey, you're going to go to China, or hey, you're going to do something you never thought you would do. But all things speak the truth in love. Expose the darkness, speak the truth in love. I'm going to wrap, wrap this up with this thought. What lie are you believing that's hindering you from walking in maturity? What lie are you believing that's keeping you from walking in maturity? You know, sometimes it, it can be as simple as you've been told, you'll never do it. Sometimes it's a self-defeating thing that, you know, I, I'm not equipped Maybe you're afraid of your own successes. You're afraid. You're afraid of what God could do if you let him just be God in your life. Have you ever thought about that? What if I really let God do what he wanted to do? Well, I'm not so sure. I mean, he's supernatural. He's God, you know. If he, if he really did that, whoa, you know. That's scary. If he did that, that means that I got to do this, 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 this. And then we start figuring out, right? We start figuring out how our carnal nature gets involved again. And it shouldn't be involved at all. Just walking in the spirit. Walking by faith, saying, okay, God, you can do this. You're capable of doing this. I don't have to figure out step A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You've got A through Z covered. I just need to walk. When it comes time for me to be faithful and steward what you're doing, you'll tell me. When you're walking in the things of the Lord, you can just be going down. And God said, okay, I want you to turn left. Okay. But if God can't trust you to t make a left turn when he says left, why would he start working the supernatural in that area of your life? If you can't yield back at point go... You're going to have a really hard time when you get up and you're just learning to, it's not about A, B, C, D, E, you just got to walk. You're going to, but God, I really want to go this way. And then you're going to find yourself going around that mountain, coming back. You ever been there? Now will you make a left turn? You don't have to figure out the end result. If God said, <laughs> oh 
God said you're going to do it, guess what's going to happen? If you yield and you'll trust him, he's going to bring it to pass. And you're just going to learn to trust. And when he says to you, go get them water pots. I need to fill them up with water. Jesus, we out of wine. What you talking about? Water. We don't need water. We need wine. What are you talking about? Go get them water pots. Okay. Water into wine. Go wash the mud off your eyes. Jesus, we don't put mud on people's eyes. Just, just an FYI. People don't like that in church. Go wash the mud off your eyes. What are you talking about, Jesus? Touch the leper? No, we don't do that either. In case you weren't up to date on the medical history, that's very contagious. You know, I know we don't carry around people's medical records in church, but I'm just telling you that that, that leprosy thing, that's a big deal. We don't want to go touching those people. And that's exactly what he does. So as you're walking with him, and he says to you, get out of the boat, guess what you're going to do? You're going to get out of that blasted boat and walk on the water. Why? Because you've learned to speak the truth in love. You're not speaking lies over yourself. Well, I'm not capable. I can't do. Oh, I've got to be in control. What about fear? You're not speaking lies. You're speaking the truth that all things are possible. I'm at perfect peace because my mind is stayed on him. I can walk on water because my mind is fixed on him, not on the circumstance. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.